the, you have the chefs in there like giving us shots and they're drinking with us and throwing food <laughs> at us and it was just this crazy atmosphere yeah music was pumped up they're dancing we're dancing we're eating it was just it was probably one of the neatest eating experiences i've ever had in my life the extra pack of peanuts travel podcast episode two 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 the posted stamps in israel are kosher but unfortunately they still taste like postage stamps why can't someone make postage stamps that taste like ice cream During this trip to Israel, for the very first time, I did not use one of my favorite features of my Tortuga backpack, and I'm happy that I didn't have to, and that is the padded laptop sleeve. So on this trip, I went for the first time in five years without my laptop to Israel. It was great. It allowed me to dive very deep into the country, not be hiding behind my screen, not have to do much work while I was there, and I really got to dive in, understand Israel in a way that I probably wouldn't have been able to before, and you're going to hear all about that in this episode. But most of the time, I'm going to have to still travel with my laptop because I have to work while I'm doing it. That is one of the reasons I love my Tortuga backpack. Both the Tortuga backpack and the Tortuga Air have padded laptop sleeves. So if you're someone who's going to be carrying a laptop around with you, you want the perfect sized carry-on backpack, head on over, check out tortugabackpacks.com. And don't forget to use the promo code EPOP, E-P-O-P, all capital letters, because that will get you 10% off your entire order. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me today is your host, Napkins. That's correct. Napkins, Temporary stand-in host temp- while you switch to the other side of the table. Yes, I'll be taking the other seat, the seat of the interviewee. You will be the interviewer because today we've got a really cool episode for you um, about a place that I just got back from and that I had no knowledge of before, really, and I came back with a very deep impression of it and a place that you will be traveling to in just a couple weeks. Absolutely. It's on my mind, so I'm excited to pick your brains about your experience. Israel. Israel. So I'm going to turn the tables over to you. You're the host. Ask me anything about Israel. And I just really am looking forward to talking about this complicated country um, that is a very, very fascinating place and a, and a place that I'm lucky to have gotten the chance to travel to. And you will see as well in a couple weeks. So what do you got for me, Navkin? All right. Well, first of all, I'd like to uh, find out a little bit more about who you went on this trip with and how that came about. Yeah, so I I had the very good fortune of um, going to Israel with a group, a tour company called Puzzle Israel. And as most people listen to this podcast know, we very rarely do any type of group tour trips, Um, Heather and I. It's always, almost always independent travel. And on this trip, it was actually just myself. Heather, Heather did not go, but it was with a group called Puzzle Israel. And so what they did is they invited eight travel bloggers, uh, from all over the world to come on, honor. yeah, to come on a what is called "quote unquote" a press trip. Um, 
Now, this was not really like a press trip per se because it was much different because of the way that they hosted it and they ran it. But eight travel bloggers, we went with the Puzzle Israel team and we explored Israel for 10 days with them. So it was a guided tour, but as we're going to talk about, it was not your typical guided tour, and that is why I decided to take them up on this offer. Um, right. We, we get a lot of emails every every day about different opportunities to come and see s- certain parts of the world with travel companies or stay at different hotels, and all that's really great. We very, very rarely take anyone up on the offer because for us, we enjoy the independent travel, and we enjoy doing our own thing. What really struck me at this opportunity was the two people who were running it, um, Nir and Guy, the two co-founders. When I first heard out about this, I hopped on a phone call with them that day. And uh, if the first, the very first thing, even before I got on a phone call with them, is what struck me about them is they were saying, okay, these are two trained chefs oh, that's who will be cool. taking you on tour of their home country, Israel. So that's awesome. two things that I love, right? Napkins, food and, and travel. And yeah, and traveling, being with locals. Like, oh, and yes. I was going to get the chance to do both. And so I hopped on a phone call um, with one of their team members, Tamar, and she kind of filled me in and it seemed like it was going to be a good fit. And uh, it really, really was. So that's how this trip came about. And I was, as someone who is not against Tours. group travel right. or tour travel, but someone who just doesn't typically do that, I was pleasantly surprised with the experience. And I think that has a lot to do with, A, the country of Israel, with it being so, you know, there's so many layers to it and there's so much going on that going in a group allowed me to learn a lot that would have been fairly hard as an individual because I got to be with local people and with Israelis and pick their brains constantly. Right. And also it has to do not just with the country I went to, but also with the people that I was with, um, the Puzzle Israel team. I And we'll get into, you know, what what they did that made it unique and fun. Yeah. You know, it was cool going on a tour. I we talked about doing that when we went to China, and we, we did. didn't, and we went independently, and that was fine. But there are some countries that I do specifically think tours, why they might not be a better option than independent travel, or would at least be an option in my mind. Israel's one, China's one, yeah. India's one. It's kind of these countries that are might be a little harder for an independent travel, right? And a lot of the work that you, a lot of the work that you have to do. Um, in a typical, say, European country, finding your lodging, finding out where to um, where to go to eat, all of that stuff is it becomes doubly hard for a Westerner in a place like in a place like China. Whereas in Israel, it's the depth of of complexity that you might miss out on if you go on your own, right? That is yes, and I think if you went on your own, you had a bunch of time, or you knew people there, you know, and and you had locals that you knew. That would be different. I, if I had gone to Israel as an independent traveler, I didn't know anyone there. So it would have been harder for me to right. peel off those lights. Like I look at it as an onion, really. Um, you know, and every day we we're just peeling off more and more layers, which I, I think that the amount of layers that I got to peel off while being on this 10 day trip was akin to like an independent traveler who was going on his own and not knowing anything, maybe being there for a month or two months. Yeah. It just accelerated yeah. Yeah. that really quickly because. Every day I'm getting to pepper a bunch of Israelis whose families come from, you know, all over the world and they've lived in different parts of Israel and they all have their unique stories because what was interesting about Israel is everyone comes from somewhere else or family history comes from somewhere else. So, you know, we had five, six, seven Israelis with us at all times 
And so it wasn't just the two co-founders and your and Guy, although that was awesome, but it was other Puzzle Israel teammates. It was the tour guide. It was the driver. Yeah. You know, we were meeting locals that they were introducing us to. And so everyone just has this story that, you know, a lot of times as, as Americans, at least Americans like us who haven't immigrated and our family, you know, might have immigrated 200 years ago, we just don't have that rich of a history as they do, or as, as rich a current history, right, I should say. Right, right, or or we don't have a we. Yeah, that's that's the that's probably the right way to say it. We don't have, and we don't know, we don't know our ancestral history. Many of us, uh, we only, you know, tenuously know where we came from and and who our ancestors were. Whereas in in Israel, it is it is within, you know, the last what fifty eighty years. Right. I mean, if you look at Israel being created as a country in 1948, and a lot of what we talk about here, this is, you know, we're not taking sides politically in any way. Um, We're just framing up my experience in a country. And I did travel with Israelis. One of the cool things about the Puzzle Israel team is that everyone there has grown up in Israel, um, mostly. Some people then spent some time in the States and different countries, but, you know, grew up as Israelis. But Every single person, this is what was so neat about the group that I was with, every single Israeli person said, we want to give you an overview of what's happening here. We want you to form your own opinions. Yeah. We would love if later you came back and you did this with like a Palestinian tour guide. So yeah. it was it was cool that they were seeing it in such an open light too. And probably my biggest takeaway, and you haven't asked this yet, but I'm just going to jump right Go into for it. it, is that there... You know, there's no black and white. When I went to Israel, all I knew of Israel was, you know, the biblical history and and stuff like that. You know, a pretty basic understanding of the biblical history. Not I hadn't studied it in depth or anything like that, but I knew the basics and the what we hear on the media. Yeah. Basically that there's conflict between Jews mm-hmm. and Palestinians. Mm-hmm. And even that I wasn't really well versed in to be honest. Right. I Just mean, the I knew basics. the, the peace, two groups, I knew the processes. That, yeah, I Pres- knew that every president needs to try yeah. and make peace in the Middle East. Right. I knew there was no peace in the Middle East, basically. Right. But I didn't even understand it. And so you go there, and I just was taken back by the fact that, as as the Israelis were telling me, everyone has an opinion here, and everyone has like five opinions. And so uh-huh. you just, there is no cut and dry, right or wrong. Everyone has a story. There, there's a lot of things going on, and it's constantly changing. And so that was the neat part, was to go and... In my head, it was like, well, what am I going to learn? What's the right answer, right? right or right, what's right. or what's the wrong answer? Not even right or wrong, but like, what's the answer, right? And all of them would just say there, there isn't an answer. There's a lot of complicated stuff happening, mm-hmm. and when I travel, that's what I love learning about is sure. is the culture. But there, it's just so in your face how complicated it is, right? That it's like you just can keep digging, 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 digging every single day and hear new stuff every single day. Right. And what strikes me about it, and this is an oversimplification, I'm sure, but what strikes me about it is the fact that this 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 area, the geographical area, is literally thousands and thousands of years old. Now, obviously, so is the United States, but in terms of a history that is still relevant, these people have grown these these people have a history that is well known across the globe and they continue to practice the religious beliefs of the people that were there in ancient times so 
it has an enormous amount of significance to all of the different groups of people that are there. And that's evident in the fact that the buildings, ancient buildings are there in the same cities as some of the most modern facilities. Right. So you have layers and layers geographically and architecturally that mirror the layers and layers of sociological issues and relig- religious issues that are, you know, coexisting. So it's, it, it is quite a unique area of the globe. Everything has so much depth. Yeah. Everything. The culture has so much depth because there's a bunch of different cultures living in this country. The As you said, the his, history has so much depth because you can literally look down at ruins and they'll say, here is a city built on top of a city built on top of yes. a city. So you're looking yes. down, you're seeing like, you're seeing 15 layers of cities being yes. built. And then obviously you throw that in with the, I guess you say, emotional depth. Or, right, that's a good, yeah. And then you you know, you know, throw the religious aspect on top of it, and this is the birthplace or the home for you know three of the world's major religions. Right. And you're just looking at this country that is the size of New Jersey. Unbelievable. And I'm sitting back, and I again, I went with, I wouldn't say... Are the beaches better? The New Jersey. Um, <laughs> well, there Tel Aviv. I will say, watch it. We, we just I'm a Jersey boy. We just did, you know, our favorite cities in the world podcast. Uh, Nick and I a little while back, and um, Tel Aviv. Had I been to Tel Aviv before that, I'm not sure it would have made my top ten, but it would have come close. That is a city like Berlin. I mentioned that podcast that I would love to spend more time in because I think if I did, it would grow on me very, very quickly. It was just. It was cool. Yeah. I mean, you have this cafe, bar, restaurant culture. It's hip. I mean, talk about the old meeting the new. You have right. the old town of Jaffa, one of the you know the oldest ports in the world, sitting there. It's, it's beautiful. You know, a lot of history there, um, and it's been you know redone, and it, you know it's super expensive to be there now. But I then, think we will get back to Jaffa because an interesting you had an interesting run in with I, with fate and history, as you often do when you travel. <laughs> as we'll I do, we we will come back yes. to Jaffa. So you have Jaffa there. And then you have Tel Aviv and Tel Aviv, you know, startup capital of the world and, you know, tons of startups and, and new buildings. And but it's just a cool city because you have all this cool cafe culture, mm-hmm. in essence, a first world city mm-hmm. it is a first world city. And then you have the beach right there. Right. And I'm usually, you know, you kind of have one or the other. You have yeah. Like awesome beaches, at least in my experience, awesome beaches in third world countries, which is fine. Or you have cities that are awesome and and cool and funky but you don't have like the beach and the only thing i can equate it to i guess you know atlantic city (laughs) is atlantic city is the casinos of atlantic there's nothing better than the combination of city and beach that finds itself perfection in atlantic city in atlantic city if you've (laughs) never been book your plane tickets now but i mean no offense cape town i i really liked and enjoyed but it a little grittier, a little more third world than than Tel Aviv, um, and I don't know a city that kind of marries them as well as Tel Aviv did. At least yeah. in my travels, we won't be spending. A- I know we won't be spending as much time in Tel Aviv, but uh, I I have been looking at it online, and it looks pretty cool. I think that I would love it. If I think I will love it, and probably want to go back and spend more time there. Well, and then you have so. You know, I didn't go knowing how small it was. I knew on a map it looked very small, but to me, Israel was just this bigger than life, almost huge country. Right. And uh, the the Israelis near and guy that I was with gave us an idea. They said, "Yeah, we get a lot of people coming here, 
who honestly think Israel is as big as the United States because they just because really? they hear about it mm-hmm. so much. So because you hear about Israel so much, people come who who I guess know less than me if that was possible, thinking it's just this huge country and you get there and you say this is tiny. This is a tiny sliver of land, but because there's so much going on, it's just like jam-packed with stuff. And so you have Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. And so you have the cool dichotomy of the cities, you know, and in a lot of countries yeah. you have like the cities, the two cities in, the in rivalry. fighting. Yeah, yeah in yeah. rivalry. You have like New York and LA, you know, you've got Vancouver and Toronto. You have the that, but here you have Jerusalem, which is super historical. <laughs> yes. And I mean, because they're you can literally say these are completely different cities. Uniquely, I mean, Jerusalem yeah. is super old. And and again, all, everything is historical, yes. and you have the big religious aspect, and you go to Tel Aviv, and it's like nightlife, party, beach, and mm-hmm. you're like, okay, these are very different, and they're 50 minutes apart driving. Amazing. So you can just say, yeah, let's go to Jerusalem and hop in a car and get there, or it's hop amazing. on a bus. Yeah, it's incredible. I, I think about the difference between Philadelphia and... Um, and New York City, and Philadelphia is just basically, I mean, we have our own flavors, quote-unquote, but it's just basically a smaller version of New York City in many ways. I, New York City might take offense to that, and Philadelphians sure, certainly would. <laughs> right, but, but... I don't, I, I, in terms of contrast, uh, in, you know, in terms of the contrast of the, of the age of the buildings and all of, and the age of the, uh, and the, and the gravitas, I mean, there is a ton of weight in, in Jerusalem compared to Tel Aviv, which... I, I would assume that most people, if we did word on the street, I bet a lot of people wouldn't know where Tel Aviv was, but right. almost everyone would know where Jerusalem was. Right. I, I would completely agree with that. And there was a neat song that they were teaching us. I can't remember who who wrote it or anything like that, but it was an Israeli um, song, and it was about Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. And basically, the whole the whole point of the song was, and if you've been to Israel or, or um, you're Jewish, if you've heard this, you, you'll know what I'm talking about. But the whole point of the song was like, you spend three years in Tel Aviv, and you get sick of it, and you like pine for Jerusalem, and then you move to Jerusalem, and then you know you spend. And they're talking about all the good things about Jerusalem in the song, and then it's like after three years, you're like sick of that, and you move back to Tel Aviv, <laughs> and so. It, but it is, it's they're so different, yeah. and they're so distinct that that was a really interesting thing to see. And then even when we were there, to realize that they're only 50 minutes driving apart. I yeah, mean, that's incredible. We were in Tel Aviv. Makes sense, but it's it, it's right. strange. It's just hard to wrap your mind around. Yeah. And so we talk about the depth of Israel. And another big part about the depth of Israel is the distinctness in geography. Mm. And again, something I knew nothing about. I, I usually go in pretty cold going to a country. And this time really cold because I knew I was going to be in a, in a tour with Israeli. So I specifically, actually, we were, we were talking before I mm-hmm. left napkins. I didn't look at any pictures of anything. Like I yeah. didn't even want in my mind to have a picture of what stuff looked like. I just want to show up and see it. Yeah. And, um, it, you know, I had no idea there was desert in Israel really. Yeah. And, you know, our first day we're down in the Negev, uh, 60% of Israel is desert, you know, this basically the Southern 60%. And we're down there. I'm like, what the heck? We're in this, we're in a desert. Like yeah. what is going on? And then a couple of days later, we're up in the Golan Heights and it's like green. And there's actually a snow capped mountain up there. And we're on the border with Syria and it's completely different. And then you're driving to the Dead Sea and you're like, am I on Mars? Yeah. Like, what right. is this? Stuff? Like, I've never seen this landscape before. And right. You know, and then you're in a city that's modern like Tel Aviv, and then you're in a city that's old like Jerusalem, and you're just it's it's crazy. It's, it's almost crazy like, to it's think almost how different like a it theme is. park. <laughs> yeah, it's it's 
like someone said, yeah, I'm going to throw almost any type of environment in one small little area. Yeah. And that's what is going to be the state of Israel um, outside, I guess, of like, you know, a rainforest, a lush rainforest or something like that. But yeah, it was it was a really that to me was awesome because I wish I lived in a place and maybe I get sick of it if I live there. That was so distinct. Like I'm, I'm jealous of the fact that right. people are like, "Oh, I'm going to go camping in the desert for my birthday," but then the next weekend they're going to go camping up in in the mountains, and then well, you know, then they're going to go to Tel Aviv for a week and be on the beach. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. very and jealous, all, and it's all in one place, all in one. Amazing. Place. Yeah, yeah. We have to drive quite a quite a, quite a ways to experience you know a lot of difference in the United States. Um, uh, the United States is full of different kinds of environments. And I, I, I noticed that when I went out mid, into the Midwest, like when we were in Colorado and Arizona, the, the, the mountains, the Rocky Mountains, versus like the, 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 the Sonoran Desert down in the Arizona area, like totally different environments. And we have that in the United States, but they're not stuck together in a little space the size of New Jersey. Right, you got the U.S., which is, I'm going to roughly say, 300 times the size of Israel. Right. And um, and I, I think that's so interesting that people think that it's the size of the U.S. In their minds, it is. It's an imagine. I think there's a book or some kind of – there's somebody coined the phrase imaginary maps. And and they – it's the idea of like what you construct as a preconceived notion for another place. And um, you know, old, old school maps were like that where they didn't look anything like the geography – but they had like somebody's idea of what a place was going to look like or uh, like a rough border. And then, you know, Indian territory or, you know, you, you know, dragons be here type territory. And, and I think that happens with our perception of the Middle East is that it, it's bigger than life. All cameras seem to gravitate back towards it. News media is, is always like it's always there. It's always there. Yeah, I they actually said. Um, you know, one of the reasons, and this is, again, this is what was so cool about being with Israelis and traveling. So, you know, if you guys haven't listened to the other podcast, I actually did with Nir and Guy that came out um, earlier. You know, I spoke to them and, and interviewed them for almost an hour. And why did they start Puzzle Israel and, and what was the purpose? And they kept saying, like, we want people to travel like a local here. We want mm. them to see not not. I mean, they use the term off the beaten path Israel. And I think that's apropos. But it's also to see all that Israel has to offer that isn't just the tourist, and I don't want to say traps because they're not tourist traps because they're awesome, but that isn't the touristed areas. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. and, and so getting to be with them was so neat because of the fact that I got to see things that I wouldn't normally see. And again, this is such a tiny country, but even when you go with a group, you see... You know, most people do a typical route, and that's totally fine. You know, you're going to see Jerusalem. You're going to go see the Wailing Wall. You're probably going to try to get to Bethlehem, um, you know, and things like that. But we got to go into really neat things. Like we got to go into an integrated school. One of the there's like three or four mixed. All right, hold on, hold on. Let's 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 back up. Let's back up. You can talk about the integrated school. Sure. But I think we should slow down. We've been considerably existential, and now I, I don't want you to ram in all your experiences here. Understood. Uh, at, at You're the, the host. Our, yes. I just feel like I feel like we've been uh, f- philosophizing a little, and uh, I want to get concrete for the audience. And um, I see that that's where you're steering it, and I want to make sure that we uh, that we that we begin on a on a clear note. There you go, host. So napkins. we'll come back. It, it, we'll come back with the story. We'll come back with the uh, story about the integrated school. Unless you want to begin there, we can start there. 
Well, you're the host. You give All me right. the question. So I, I, well, I was curious to know uh, how, how I like to start at the beginning. Uh, so I, I'm curious to know what your first impressions were upon landing. Yeah. So, I mean, well, even before I landed, I should tell this story. Um, I don't think I tell it with the podcast I did with Nir and Guy, but I wanted to go on a bit of a digital detox. And yes. I don't have to go off on a digital detox rant, but it played a big part in my experience. And so I'd be remiss if I didn't mention it. I, I didn't take my computer with me, um, but I did have my phone. So I was going to go minimal. I was going to say anything I need to do, I can do from my phone. Right. Like if, if someone needs to text me or I have to answer an email, I can do it from my phone. So I don't want to be around my computer. First time in, I think, four or five years, I was leaving my computer at home. So with that in mind, I thought, okay, I'm, I'm taking it. That'll be my digital detox. But I still have my phone on me. Yeah, yeah. Um, before I even got on the plane, I was in the uh, lounge at Newark Airport. And uh, my phone fell out of my pocket and broke. And so instantly I was in a panic, yeah. right? I yes. was in a panic. Like, what am I going to do? I have yeah. no phone. How am I going to, like, what if I get digital? I can't contact people. You know, I have their numbers on my phone, this and that. Um, it's crazy how how panicky I was yes. to not have this. It yeah. really is insane that I felt this way, but I did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, landed in Israel. Everything was fine. First day or two, I'm like, I got to get my phone fixed. I have to get my phone fixed. Yep. But we... It was pretty go, go, go from the beginning. Like, you know, I landed. But it wasn't a problem. You got to Israel without a phone. Yeah, got to Israel without a phone. Believe it or not, I was on a plane for 12 hours without a phone and life was okay. And um, I landed and it was about 4 p.m. there. And, um, you know, couldn't couldn't fix the phone that day because we were all getting settled in. Next day was going to go, but we we got on the tour right away. Right. Long story short, first two days, I was like, I got to try to find a way to fix my phone. Well, I didn't. And by day two, I was with a bunch of other bloggers who were great. And, you know, they were doing all types of social media. And and it was fine that they were on their phones. But I felt like this cool disconnect to say, wow, I really am on a detox. So by day two, I'm like, I'm not even going to fix my phone. Yeah. And I didn't. And uh, I think that really helped my experience a lot because I was and to be very, fair, very was present. somewhat usable. I mean, you could use it. Half the screen was cracked. Things. So I literally, I was able to text Heather probably like six times throughout the time. And I was able to FaceTime her like twice. But it was unbelievably inconvenient. I mean, I saw the phone. It's like, it's like two face. It's like yeah, one to, side of the... To the point that I didn't... All I used it was to Facebook Heather like a couple times, or Facebook, uh, excuse me, FaceTime Heather like two or yeah, three yeah. times and send like a few text messages like, hey, how you doing? I'm okay. Send me, uh, FaceTime me. So I didn't use it for any, like basically I didn't use you it use for it any like work. You, use a, you would use a pay phone in 1985. Exactly. Wonderful, beautiful. As a phone, right? Yes. To make exactly. one call. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so that's what I did. And so when I landed in Israel, um, you know, immediately... We got on with the uh, the Puzzle Israel group. They got all everyone was landing. We got the bloggers, all that kind of stuff. And uh, the first night we spent in, uh, we went down to the desert. And so the next morning, actually, I was a bit jet lagged, which was great. I woke up. I don't usually wake up early, and I woke up at like four thirty a.m. And um, it was awesome because I went up to this mountain for sunrise. Yeah, it was like sunrise is like at six a.m. And we're in the desert, and I just climbed this, it's not a mountain, but a pretty steep hill mm. uh, to the top, and I just watched the sun come up over the desert, and I thought, whoa, this is a pretty cool first impression. Yeah. A, about 12 hours ago, or like 18 hours ago, I didn't know Israel had a desert. Now I'm on the top of a mountain in the desert watching the sun come up. So yeah, that is pretty good first morning. Beautiful. Yeah, that is a great, that is a great transition from like digital panic of like oh you know cutting the cord there to being in this beautiful landscape experiencing you know one of the best parts of travel and that's seeing 
something incredible that you didn't expect. Well, and uh, I, I should mention, I didn't bring a camera with me, and my phone was going to serve as my oh, yeah, camera. Yeah. So at first, I was pretty bummed about I, that. I was going to ask you that. But you know what? I mean, luckily, I was with other travel bloggers, so I'm going to be able to steal all their pictures. So I, I really lucked out in that if I was going to go on a detox, at least like they have plenty of video yeah. and, and photos yes. and stuff, so I can steal that and have those memories. But it was really cool each time when I would think oh, I would take a picture of that to just see it. Yeah. And, and have, have it and be, be able to say what it is and be able to let it go and just take it as the moment. Right. So now, I mean, you'll have someone else's recording of the time, but really you got to, you, you, you got off in a good, in a, it, the best because you got to experience it. They had to record it. Right. I got lucky. As Heather would say, oh, yeah, Travis, always getting lucky. But yes. And and so that did help my experience. And so if anyone's listening, you know, I'm not saying you have to go take a digital detox. Of course, I I hadn't done one for years. But I will say that it it enhanced this experience a lot. And so if you can, I urge you to give it a shot. Right. Because Um, it is it is when you're stopping and you're taking pictures and you're posting to Instagram and you're blogging and you're writing a blurb, it is a social activity and you are sharing. But it is also an electronic activity. There it's some there's something different. You are taking a pause from being in the moment, no matter how you look at it. And it's cutting your focus. Like every time Mm -hmm. you do something, it stops your focus on something to refocus on something else. So if you're focused, you're in the moment, you're just like, wow, this is overwhelming how awesome this is. And you take out your phone and you take a picture, you still might feel it's awesome, but you are disconnecting yourself from you the do. moment. You're and, absolutely uh, right. So we're still staying existential. I know. Here, I know. I know. But, but that was my first experience in Israel was climbing up on this mountain. And I actually have a really good picture, thanks to my buddy Hirt, who was... Um, the Belgian blogger who was with us, because he captured me on the top of this mountain as oh, the nice. sun was rising. So there's proof. Yeah, so there's proof. So this moment. Let's thankfully let, someone let's, captured it. Let's let this moment be symbolic of this podcast. Digital life and existential philosophy behind us and the beautiful uh, Israeli sunset ahead of us. Right, the experience so, in Israel. Yes. So uh, my understanding of this trip, I, I, I wasn't sure. I remember you mentioned it to me, and I thought it sounded awesome. Because, I mean, I know that I'll be going on a trip that's a more conventional trip. What I'm excited about with this trip is that it sounds like the group that we're going with, uh, well, we're going to have an Israeli, uh, a Jewish-Israeli tour guide. And um, there are Palestinians that hopefully uh, we will be meeting up with to hear from them as well, their perspectives as well. Um, and that's exciting to me because I, uh, that's what I would be looking for. Um, and then there will be a Christian pastor with us as well. So um, that is something that I would want if I was going over there um, to, to not just get one worldview. Uh, and I, so I'm excited about that. But what I hear from you is that you got to experience there were no limits on the worldview. You know, you weren't going in there. I think when they bring the West, when they bring a Western tour group, they assume most of these people are going to be Christian. And most of them, or at least or nominally Christian, or a Jewish tour group, and um, they go at it from that perspective. And that's what I like about the tour that I'll be going on is that it won't be it won't be that so much. Um, and that's what captured my imagination about your trip is that they basically just want people to experience the awesome parts of Israel, regardless of preconceived notions. And it doesn't sound like they're dissing like 
like a religious tour or a a, an, a, a typical ar- architectural tour. It sounds like they're widening the spectrum and 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 asking people to look beyond. And it doesn't look like and it you know a lot of people that go to Israel for a religious tour seem to look around and say this is even better than I thought because there is so much here. I 100% agree with that statement. What was cool about the Puzzle Israel team is, you know, they made our tour for us, but what they actually do is they tail, it's a boutique tour company. It's two guys who run it with a few other people that they employ. So it is small. And Nir, the one co-founder, gets on the phone with every single person who's interested, who put, you know, if you, however you do it, if you go to Puzzle Israel and, and you see, oh, this is kind of Where cool. Where are they based? They're, they're based in Israel. Do they have an office or are they location indie? They, uh, well, they are location indie. Uh, yes, they actually, they're, they're based in Israel. They actually have another staff member in Chicago oh, okay. as well. So to handle, you know, different parts, like mm-hmm. especially time zone things with mm-hmm. people wanting to get a hold of them and stuff like that. But what's really neat, and they actually travel to the U.S. quite often as well to okay. meet one-on-one with, with groups and people and synagogues cool. and whatever. That's um, cool. So what's really neat is they, they 100% tailor your trip to what you want. So if you are someone who says, hey, I want a religious trip, like that's our main purpose of going, they'll give you that. But what they'll do, and I like the word you use, is widen the experience. They'll say, okay, we understand you want this. Totally. That's cool. We're going to build the itinerary out for you. But why not add two days in? Or, Or why we go to this? Why not also go do... Um, a, a visit to a kibbutz up here. Mm-hmm, or why not mm-hmm. go up to the Golan Heights mm-hmm. and and go and check out the Syrian border? Why not go right. down into the desert? So what they do is they are... What's cool, it's cool with any small company who's that hands-on, yeah, is yeah. that they're talking to you. Right. So Nir said to me, he's like, I will have talked to those people before they come on this trip for at least two or three hours. Yeah. In, over the phone, in Skype, a bunch of times so that we know exactly what they want and then we give them the options and we build it with them. Yes. So they never say like, hey, here's plan, here's tour A, tour B, tour C, pick what you want. Yeah. I mean, they'll give you ideas sure. and say, here's what someone else did and then you add and subtract. So that's what was so neat. That I mean, is our very, tour, very... we didn't pick what we want to do because they said, here's what we think you should do and we were coming over and, and it was awesome. But that's what's so cool and one of the reasons that I love the way you put it is that They'll do any type of tour, and right. they're Israelis, and they've been in the tour, con- uh, the travel world, you know, for five years. And before that, what's cool is they come from a non-tourism background. I think that helps. They were chefs, right? So they also focus on eating, which a lot of people like. And if you don't love eating as much, they they won't focus on it as much. But if you are someone who says, "Hey, I want to come and get this like culinary masterpiece," it's got to be like ninety five percent of the people in the world who, when they travel, uh, want to eat good food. Uh, yes, and so on top of hey, you get to pick your tour. They're like, here are awesome restaurants, and that was some of the most fun things. We went to awesome restaurants. We also did. They have a catering company, so they they had this big. Catering. They run that too. Yeah, they have a catering truck, right? Wow. That you can that you can have. So, like the f- the second night. So we'll get concrete here with some examples. The second night we were out in the desert. Oh, uh, we went repelling. We went four by fouring through the. Um, and you stay with like the Bedouins. Yeah. Well, we we didn't stay with the Bedouins, but we went to a Bedouin. Uh, and again, this is kind of cool too. A lot of the Bedouin people that you go to, it's kind of. It's fake now. Yeah. You know, it's built for tourism. And so it's kind of like a Disney World version of Bedouins. Okay. Well, the Bedouin that we went and visited was a guy that Nir had driven by who was had a horse on the side of the road when he was driving through one day. Stopped to talk to him for some reason. This guy was a Bedouin. 
had said like, oh, my father used to be in tourism like 30 years ago, uh, took him to this Bedouin village that was like to get to is crazy. Like we had to take, it was way off road. And, uh, and that's the peop, that's the Bedouin that they bring you to. So it's, it's like totally authentic stuff. And so the second day, yeah, we went to Bedouin. So some Bedouins do exist. They're just not as, are they more stationary? Is, is uh, that- Bedouins for now are mostly all stationary okay. from my understanding. I mean, they were nomadic. Now the state of Israel wants them to be stationary. So they have land, but they still live a Bedouin lifestyle in terms of not that they're nomadic, but that they're really, they work the earth. Mm. You know, they have camels, like everything's yes. very basic. Uh, they live in tents, you know, tent villages, yeah. basically the traditional Bedouin housing. Um, and so that was, was really neat is that we got to go see this authentic Bedouin that a lot of people probably wouldn't get to see. Cause when you go to a Bedouin village, a lot of it's pretty pre contrived. Yeah. Contrived. Um, but, but, you know, we were at the second day we went, we went to this awesome crater. Um, Ramon, it's called Ramon crater, but I should, I should mention, since I'm going to get this right, it's not a crater. It's a Maktesh, which is a geological uh, formation that only exists in Israel, and what we is, know is a crater it, only an impact? Yeah, so it's okay. not an impact. It's basically a, this is a worn away mountain. The guy who explained ah. it to us did a great explanation and actually showed us in the dirt how it worked. It'd be hard to recreate here, but basically imagine a crater, but it's not formed the same way. So we repelled down the crater. We took four by mm. fouring through the crater. So cool. And then at night, they had it set up. So they brought this catering truck behind them. And we all helped make dinner. Like I roasted, I burnt the eggplants over fire to make baba ganoush. We all made pitas. We put them in the in the oven in the fire oven that oh, that they man. had there, the wood fired oven. And so we all made dinner together, and then we ate it around the campfire in the middle of the desert. So that was something you're not going to get, I, as far as I know, with other tour companies because of their catering background. Oh, that is no, that is really really unique, as far as I know, and it sounds awesome. Well, and so they had this catering background. They had this food background. They know people like food. They, they're good cooks. And they, so they immerse you with mm. it. Like you're all helping make it. They might make the main dishes. You're immersed with it. So we did that one day. Another time, um, we ate a dinner at a, or a lunch at a kibbutz. So we mm. went to a, a kibbutz and then we all helped, um, pick the vegetables and then made the, the food there and ate in the kibbutz, which was awesome. And probably the coolest meal that we had, um, was we went to up into the Golan Heights and we were on the uh, basically you see the border with Syria you're right, right. there and um, on on the Israeli side was a town that that was Syrian before and now it's Israeli but it's it's abandoned it's an abandoned yeah. town and um, we're like driving through like oh this is pretty cool we should stop and take pictures you know well, I didn't say take pictures yeah. I said Why? you guys should stop yeah, you and guys take should me stop pictures. And take pictures of me and so we went and. Um, we pull up and there's this abandoned. It's like old barracks, basically. And it, we inside they had set up the whole catering thing, and so we ate lunch in like this abandoned Syrian village. Wow. And it was a amazing food, but it was just like this crazy. Oh, yeah. There is a picture someone took of me that I'll have to try to get up. Maybe I'll put it in the show notes of the podcast. I'll have to try to get it from her. But you're eating in this abandoned Syrian village and it's only because they have a catering truck that they can bring with them right. anywhere they go. Right. Um, it's really a brilliant idea. It, and so it's fabulous because they can, they can conveniently bring the food of the, of the place to you. Yes. You know, you don't, they don't have to travel somewhere specific to get the authentic cuisine. They can bring it to you 
wherever you are traveling that day. That it, sounds like a really, really interesting aspect of that tour company. It, it really is. And one of the neat things they do, again, everything's tailored to what you want. So some people are like, well, we don't want that or we don't want to help mm-hmm. cook or, or, you know, or we only want to eat at the nicest restaurant. So we ate at some fabulous very expensive, high class because restaurants. they're giving you a taste of all the things they offer, right? And so, like, if you if you're if you have a bigger budget, you they like for example, near the one chef used to be a chef at this uh, very hard to get in restaurant in Jerusalem called mm. Udale, mm. and um, he you know he got us in because he knew this tour was coming. I mean, typically it's like a three four month waiting list. So we took up like this whole section, basically the whole inside section, because there's an outside section too. And people must have been looking, thinking like, who are these guys? Like, right. who are these people? They must be rock stars because the, you have the chefs and they're like giving us shots and they're drinking with us and throwing food <laughs> at us. And it was just this crazy atmosphere. Yeah. Music was pumped up. They're dancing. We're dancing. We're eating. It was just, it was probably one of the neatest eating experiences I've ever had in my life. And, uh, you know, they only do two seatings a night. So like when we left, other people were getting in and no joke, people were asking to take pictures with me because they must have thought like <laughs> they just assumed you were somebody how did they get this experience right. like because you know it took them three months just to get in and like eat at the restaurant and right. here we are like partying in the right. restaurant so it was just hilarious so that's another example like if you have the budget or if you want to do that you can do that right and if you don't and if you want the, more of like the catering eating out or you know eating a cheaper restaurant, so they'll do it and that's what i love like again not a big proponent of going on group tours because because in my mind, there's something different than what this was. It's it's like getting... And, and their whole idea is, we want you to see Israel like a local. Mm-hmm. And that's what you get to do. And you get mm-hmm. to fast track the authentic experiences. We talk a lot on the podcast about how to have authentic travel experiences. Mm-hmm. And I get the question a lot that of people saying... Well, how do you do that? You know, you talk about all those experiences you have. How do you have authentic experience? You just show up and you have them. It's like, well, no, a lot of times we just don't talk about like the days where nothing great happens. Right. But you have to put yourself out there. What was cool about this trip is you got to have all these authentic experiences, but you didn't have to do any of the work. Yes. It was yes. like a, a cheat cheat sheet to get yes. an authentic experience, a fast track to it. And so um, that's I, somebody who, who loves travel, loves their place, understands... Um, what it means to travel, uh, what it means to to want to tour something, whether self guided or not, and is willing to work with people and like really, I like the idea that you know this isn't a tour company where it's like, well, you can't really afford the best experience, so we're going to give you second best. No, they they make the food for you. They make sure that if you don't have, the, you know, if you can't do the hundred dollar plate, hundred dollar a plate restaurants. That you still get an authentic food experience, yeah, and I it, think that sounds awesome. It, if I was to run a travel company, a tour company, that is exactly the way I would do it, and I, I that's the highest praise I can give them. Not in oh, it would be amazing if I did it, but just that my what I would envision for me would be the mm-hmm. perfect way mm-hmm. if I was going to show off my home country or my home city would be exactly that way, yeah. and um, I think that's why it resonated so much with me, and you know. I came to Israel not having, as I said, not 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 that I didn't have expect uh, big expectation. I just didn't have anything to base it on. Mm-hmm. I didn't do any research. I didn't know, and um, I can legitimately say that this was one of the probably top five travel experiences of my life, and um, that was because of the country 
because of the people and because I was able to do it in an authentic way that I liked, but not have to worry about booking my own accommodations, right. finding my own restaurants, going on TripAdvisor. Right. We ate three meals a day. I I mean, I gained 10 pounds in 10 <laughs> days. Right now, I overdid it a right, little bit. Right, right, right. Um, Too much baba ganoush. Uh, yeah, and, and pita and hummus and, and all that great stuff. But, you know, I didn't ever have to worry about, oh, should I go on Yelp or TripAdvisor and look for the best right. place? It was like, no, we're going to these places and places that I wouldn't have been able to find or maybe Absolutely. even get into as well. Um, Which reminds me, you need to send me a list of some of these places so that I can uh, look for them if I'm nearby. Yeah, we will totally link up anything in the show notes as well that we mentioned. But what I'm trying to do, and I, and I might not have it out by the time this podcast comes out, but I'm going to try to do it, is get kind of a copy of our itinerary and they, they have one of, of what we did with links in it. So maybe I can just forward that to people so that if you want to just see, you know, day by day more in depth of what we did, you can see that you can, you can look at the places that we mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, anything we specifically mentioned will be in the show notes, but you can look at the whole itinerary and, and just get a feel for it. And we can get back to being a little concrete here with, with yeah, exactly yeah. what we did. And we've touched on some of it. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm interested. I, you, you, yeah, you mentioned the, the, uh, the, the crater, the worn away mountain that you uh, rappelled down into, and then ATVs, the same location. Yeah, well, they were like four, they were like Land Rover Jeeps. Land yeah. Rover Jeeps, yep. okay. So, okay. So, um, this is, you know, it's like Indiana Jones type stuff going on. It sounds pretty, uh, pretty that was day, awesome. that was day, first full day. So, like, yeah. you asked, like, I woke up, I had that sunrise, and then that's what we did the first full day. Amazing. Which is pretty awesome. And this is where is it? Is the desert, that's is that the, the Negev, which the Negev. is the southern part of Israel? Okay, we're in the south. Um, we're in the south. And then what we, what we did kind of from there is, uh, we also did a bike thing. Um, through like this flat plateau that was also in the desert, which was cool, like a bike scavenger hunt, mm. which was really neat. Um, as I said, we did the rappelling and things like that. We stayed at what is like a, you could call it a, B, it is a and b but what they did, um, what Israel did is they, they gave money to people who wanted to come and settle the Negev, right? So yeah. the desert some. So they gave money for people to open these, these B&Bs. So we stayed in like a, a pretty rustic but cool cabin. And there were, I think, like six of them. And it was on a vineyard. Mm. And so like we'd go and have breakfast there. And then we'd go off from there. And we'd come back. And you could eat dinner there if you wanted to. I'm sure they prepare, you know, again, anything you wanted. Um, but it was on a, a winery or on a vineyard. A winery they had in a, the desert? Yeah. So apparent. So they and the, the guy explains desert. exactly how they do it and why it's so great. Um, and then we did like the one day we did wine tasting there. Mm -hmm. We did a few wine tastings, which is always yes, great. It's always um, and then we headed from there up to up to Jerusalem and did uh, two full days basically in Jerusalem, you know, doing your typical... What I should say, nothing we did was typical, but, you know, doing the sites and the Wailing Wall and, and in the old city and, and seeing the churches and going through all four quarters right, of the, the pilgrimage old stuff. Yeah, we went into the, uh, the old city of David. We did Hezekiah's Tunnel, which if anyone's interested, I would highly recommend it. You basically walk through this tunnel of knee-high water that takes you about 25 minutes, that, that takes you from outside of the city into the old city, mm -hmm. and that was how you know, the whole it was like story. an old aquifer. Like it was, it, actually... it was how to get water into the city because okay. the only water source was outside. And it's and, ancient, obviously. Yeah, and so it was. It was a way that you could get water in because if the they stopped up the water source, mm -hmm. you know, the enemy, then you 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 know your you, city was you, done. Yeah. So um yeah, that was really cool. Hezekiah's tunnel was really. What'd cool. What'd you wear in there? Uh, just shorts. But like, what what did you wear on your feet? Uh, most people were like um flip flops. Okay. Because it because it. You know, yeah, most people wear like okay. flip flops. I actually went barefoot 
Oh, and um, yeah, and you are a brave man. It, it was cool, but I mean, it's really tight, like it's shoulder width, right? And um, was it like slimy stone on the bottom? No, or? not really that slimy. Um, but it was like it was like sto- was it like it was stone it was cobblestone type? No, it was like bigger stones, like okay. kind of like not bricks, but mm-hmm. bigger stones. Mm-hmm. And um, I believe probably limestone or something okay. like that. And Slabs um, or something. Yeah, and so that was really neat experience. And it's dark, so you bring a flashlight, and you know, we went through in a group of like. 12 or 15 however many we were just a really cool experience so we did jerusalem we did all that and and i should mention too the the cool part about this whole thing was as i as i've kind of mentioned you have nearing guy the two co-founders right yeah they were on the tour with us almost the whole time but you know they'd go off and handle all their business what's again funny about israel is that it's so small right that they would go off to do something like in tel aviv and then meet up with us later in the afternoon because they would just drive to where we were because right. nothing's that far away right um and then you know <laughs> one uh one of their girlfriends uh tall came on most of the trip with us because she had off work for the week or switching jobs so she was with us and uh they brought their dogs with us on the bus we had like a nice. you know like a minivan bus type thing yeah brought the dogs on with us we had a tour guide omer who was with us the whole time who was like a walking encyclopedia yeah. uh, he was he's very studious and um and very funny he, he's fantastic if anyone's looking to do a trip and and um you know for whatever reason you're not going to go with puzzle israel you don't want it this but you want a guide um we'll link his stuff up too because he's fantastic but he's like a jewish scholar so anything i had to ask him about you know he knew all the history and everything like that mm-hmm. so he was with us all time as was the driver uh zaki who was hilarious and then just random other people from the puzzle israel team would join us like one of the times one of the interns came with us for a day and then the the girl Mikel came with us for a while uh, excuse me Mikel, i i can't do the Mikhail. Cut, Mikhail. but yeah she came with us for a few days so it was like always rotating cast of characters coming yeah. and joining us which was super fun and oh, that's yeah. what they do not not just with like this blogger tour, but they do it with every tour where they typically try to join you or meet you at least once. Mm-hmm. And they have, and that's how, why it's unique as well, they have Israelis, usually between 25 and 35 years old, like they said, who come and join you at different parts, whether it be locals from that area yeah. or, 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 or other people who join you for like two or three days. So you, always, you don't just have your typical tour guide and driver. Yeah. You have tour guide and driver, and that's great. But you also usually have someone from the Puzzle Israel team, at least one, sometimes Very two, cool. three, four people with you just to just to hang out yeah. and, and to show you around and to give you another perspective and another person to talk to. And that, if anyone knows, obviously, you know, like me, I love peppering people with questions. So oh, yeah. when I'd run out of questions for one person, I just turn and ask someone else. And you get <laughs> a whole nother version of stuff. Right. So right. um yeah, so Jerusalem we went up to and then um and then I would spend a few days in Jerusalem and then went up to uh, the Galilee, which, again, not not a big touristed area. Mm. Um, really, I mean, Sea of Galilee is. but And we did horseback riding around the Sea of Galilee, which was a really cool experience. Yeah. One of the things I would recommend, if you don't get to do on your trip napkins, if you guys can do, uh, I didn't want a horseback ride. Uh, I'm scared kind of of horses and horseback riding, but yeah. it was awesome to take these horses around this mountain and just look out and see the Sea of Galilee like stretch out before you. So yeah, that's we incredible. went up to Nearing Guy's hometowns, which were in Galilee, the Galilee region, and um, went to an Arab city in the Galilee region, had dinner in this woman's house because she helped her and Nir had a catering business kind of together. Mm. And uh, so here we are uh, on a Israeli tour with Jewish people sitting in an Arab woman's home and she's cooking for us and telling about her experiences as an Arab woman who who does catering for Jewish 
um, bar mitzvahs and weddings yes. and stuff, yes. at which like her community kind of shunned her at first oh. for it, and now have kind of like asked her to come cook for them, and she won't. She refuses, but oh, because they shunned her, kind of. Um, yeah, they just didn't like that she had kind of crossed that border. But so it was really neat. We got to experience um, hmm. life in a a few different Arab homes throughout this time. We went to different Arab cities and, and spent time with Arabs. So that was really cool too, because typically you don't get to do that. Right. Um, because you need basically a personal connection. Like you're not sure. going to go on a tour if you're with the Israelis and just pop into an Arab city <laughs> and say like, Hey, can we talk to people? I right. mean, you might, it might work out. It might not work out. Right. So, right. Oh, that is cool. Yeah. We got to do that. Went up to Galley. And then to wrap it kind of all up, went to the Golan Heights, and maybe my favorite experience, it's hard to pick, was four by fouring around the Golan Heights and up around the border of Syria and going into the bunkers, like literally into the bunkers and playing around on the tanks that are not operable now, but literally going, taking a Jeep up to the wall. Yeah. Or the fence, and them saying, like, right on the other side of there is Al Qaeda. And you can see uh, them? Yeah, so you could cut. I mean, in the distance, but okay. um, he, they, and- yeah, they wouldn't let us get close enough. Like our tour guide said, I will go up to the, like literally up to the wall myself, and they will come up to the wall, and we'll just sit and stare Is at it each like other. Like a chain link fence. It's a chain link fence that's now higher and has barbed wire on top. But ever since the the Syrian conflict has really risen, escalated, yeah. escalated um, they've made it a little more very much more tech savvy. So it used to be just a fence, and now it's got like cameras and all types okay. of stuff. But um. You know, and people are watching us as we're doing it. Like the Israeli defense system is watching us. But this guy lives in the kibbutz up there and he mm-hmm. served in the military and he runs a thing, a tour company that has you do that. So they know he's going and he gets permission. Mm-hmm. But something that not everyone will end up doing. Um, it was just cool. It yeah. was cool being there, being that close to it. Absolutely. Looking out from the top of the mountain at all of Syria, not all of it, but seeing it and him pointing like right. in that direction is. That's Al Qaeda, and that's this group, and that's this group, and having him explain in fifteen minutes the Syrian conflict in a way that someone who's an idiot and doesn't know much like myself <laughs> could understand was yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Um, and and on top of that, they had all you know all the Israelis who had been with served in the military, so getting to hear those experiences and and stuff. Yeah. Um, that that's the depth that right you probably that you don't get in a lot of other countries because there's just it's not so in your face. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So let's see. So that was your last stop, then. Then the, the oh, and uh, then the down Golan. to Tel Aviv. Oh, and then and then, back and down, and then to, down, to Tel Aviv. down to Tel Aviv, and uh, spending two days getting to to know that city and mm-hmm. um and going around and and seeing Jaffa, the old town, yeah, and then uh, going through the flea markets and the and buying spices in the markets and trying the food in the markets, all right. that kind of stuff that Tel Aviv and sitting on the beach at Tel Aviv has to offer, and then. To wrap it up, we then the tour was finished, and we um we actually then ha- I had two extra days, and then me and a few people were on the tour. We went by ourselves to the Dead Sea and to Jericho, oh nice and stuff like that. So um definitely something the that city, right Isn't yeah it the oldest city Jericho the oldest city in the world mm-hmm. Dead Sea the the lowest point on earth yeah on land um so typically I think most people would do the Dead Sea you know if. I would recommend seeing the Dead Sea, mm-hmm. and typically mm-hmm. I think the Puzzle Israel team would put the Dead Sea on itinerary because yes. most people would say, here's what I want to do. Here's my right. must-haves. Right. Dead Sea's probably on there. Yep. They knew that we were probably going to take that trip on our own and, and said, you should take it. Right. Um, and so that was really neat, too, obviously. You, yeah, you don't want to miss the Dead Sea. Um, yeah, I'm excited. It's, it's right. cool. I'm it's excited. 
the drive there is fascinating, and then the Dead Sea itself. So that was everything that we we did. Uh, one thing that I should mention too, just to get another thing in the show notes, one of the coolest places we stayed, actually the coolest accommodation we had was in Roshpina, which is kind of like a um, a really bucolic town up in the, I don't want to get it wrong, but Golan Heights, Galilee area, mm-hmm. um, up north a little bit. And, uh, you know, a lot of Israelis will go there for, for you know, for a couple of days, like our driver said, oh, I take my wife up here on anniversaries because a lot of like these uh, old farmhouses and stuff that are restored. And we stayed at a place cool. called Shulamit's Yard, and I'll link it all up in the show notes. But that, if you get a chance to, if you're in that area and you want a cool, awesome place to stay with a fascinating lady and the best breakfast I've ever had in my life. Oh, really? This spread is, I, it's incredible. Unbelievable. Oh, yeah, you told me about this spread. I, I, that's why I gained 10 pounds, because we had breakfast there two days, and I just could not stop eating. Yeah, I mean, it's like a hummus and Yeah, and, and tons of cheeses and omelets and, and breads mm. and olives, even though I don't like olives, and then I like yogurt olives. and music. I mean, you had like a hundred, uh, you literally had like seven courses for breakfast. Wow, that's um, my style. Yeah, and it was awesome. So Shulamit's Yard in Roshpina, really cool town, really bucolic. Great place, fascinating lady. I would highly recommend anyone stay there. It's just, it's just really neat. Um, and that was our trip, like our itinerary as a whole. And I'm, I'm leaving out a lot of details because of I think the, the, as I said, the biggest takeaway for me was the, like, the feelings I got, like the, mm-hmm. the understanding the that there is no right or wrong, and that even a lot of people there don't. Think there's right or wrong like yeah we hear the media and it's mm-hmm. like this versus this right these people have lived through it and to me that's what was pretty cool was that they're not saying hey one side's right or one side's wrong they're not even it's not even like sides it's like very i mean at times there are but it's very hard and very complex thing because we went to a, another arab lady's house i know i'm talking a lot not letting you answer that's ask quite all right questions we went to this arab lady's house who lived in um tel aviv and she said I am Arab, I am Palestinian, I'm a Christian, and I'm an Israeli. Hmm. And you're like, what are right. you saying? That and blows then she un- the Westerner's mind. Yeah, right? you're like, what does that even mean? And then she yeah. unpacked it, and she said, I'm Arab, because like my family is from this area. I think, right. I don't remember if it was Egypt, but you know that, that area, from right. the Middle East areas where her family's from. Mm-hmm. She's Palestinian because her parents grew up, bef- and, and grandparents grew up in that area before it was Israel. Yes. So... Her, her her lineage is Palestinian. She's Israeli because she said, I love the country of Israel that I'm in now. Mm-hmm. I have an Israeli passport. Mm-hmm. I, I identify myself with this country. I like what this country is doing, mm. you know, this and that. And then I'm Christian. Like, that's my religion. Right. And you're just like, okay, I guess when you that's say it amazing. that way, it makes sense. But yeah. in my mind, you're like Arab or Jewish. But no, right. you're not really. Right. There's so many different lights. Right, and the, ra- the West tries to put it into that that singular dichotomy where it's just it's just one side versus the other side. And obviously, most things are much more complicated than that. I think it's really interesting that that you that that you have that example to point to because it sounds like people there, you know, are much. I don't know. It sounds like a lot of people there are very thoughtful about the probably because it's such a a dense. You almost have to understand where you fit in this dense political, social, religious, geographical region. Where in America, you can kind of just forget about it and do your thing. You're American. You know, maybe you're Republican, maybe you're Democrat. Of course, Mm -hmm. stuff flares up around elections. But yeah, you don't really... 
at least us, and and I, I you know, I can't speak for people immigrated, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. immigrated here, mm-hmm. whose parents immigrated here, or anything like that. But for for us, me and you, who have been parents have been in this country, grandparents were in this country. Yeah, there isn't really that much thought of my heritage or what it means no. to be an American. And am I proud? Yeah. And do I love this country? Yeah. But it's not a daily thing that's going through my head. Right. And I think you're right. There, at least the people I was surrounded with, and some of that might be because I was with people who run a, a tour company that is thoughtful and, and things like that, but because of the people I surrounded myself with, but even the local, and you know, they showed us the local, so we get, it's different. But I would say that I came away saying, wow, I can't believe how thoughtful everyone is mm-hmm. and how my perception was like, it's me, it's us against them. Mm-hmm. And I went and no one to a person said that. Mm. And I don't even believe anyone thought that. Mm. They might have feelings about the fact that they don't like like that it, Hamas is controlling the Gaza Strip because to them that's a terrorist group. But right. it's but Hamas is different and this is, you know, again, I'm not going to get too into it because I learned so much that I could speak for 24 hours straight on just what I learned in 10 days. But right. you know, before I didn't know the difference in Gaza Strip and West Bank. Well, Gaza right. Strip controlled by Hamas universally recognized as a terrorist group. Mm-hmm. Um you know, West Bank, run by the PLO, right. not a terrorist group, kind of even has some decent uh, interactions with Israel and the government. Um, you can go freely kind of in and out of it, where mm-hmm. Gaza Strip, no one's getting in, no one's going out. Right, so, and I guess Bethlehem is in Palestine. And I yeah, it's in the West Bank, to, right. To Bethlehem. And you'll be able to go, and we went to Jericho, which is uh, Palestinian-run, and uh, but even uh, the Israelis, the Jewish Israelis that we were with, said, so, "Yeah, I've been, to, you know, I've been to Jericho, and I'm fine." You know, you the you know you usually need tour guide credentials and stuff like that, but um, much more lax than the Gaza Strip. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I just knew mm-hmm. the names Gaza Strip and West Bank, and I just assumed that there was like warring going on everywhere. Right, because there were Arabs there and Jews outside. Right, but and there are Jewish settlements right. in the West Bank. Mm-hmm. And there used to be Jewish settlements in Gaza, and now there aren't. And then Hamas took over, and now it's kind of yeah, that's where kind of the the struggle is really happening there. But um, and and again, if I'm if people are listening, to this are much well more well versed on this than me. I apologize for any inconsistencies or or things that um might not be completely right. But my understanding, you know, mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. is that everyone there was very very thoughtful. And like you said, I think you 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 have to be. You're confronted with this every day, and yeah. um, yeah. And if things, I mean, I, I think in an area where if things come down to it, and every and so many people are 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 in the military, if it comes down to it, you want to understand if you have to fight, which isn't completely far from people's minds. If you have to fight or flee or take sides, which could happen, you want to understand what side you're on and what cho- choices you're making. And to do that, you need to understand the situation. And it sounds like people, that sounds like that is more a part of everyday, of everyone's everyday life than it is for us. I think they're also much more aware that things can change because it does change. Mm-hmm. So their opinions aren't set in stone, right. I, you know, and I think that can be mm-hmm. a very good thing. Yes. So they have, they, they, they're thoughtful about it and they form these opinions. And, and what I liked was that they weren't, the opinions I thought, like us versus them, it was much more like this is very deep, this is complex, even living here all my life, it's very hard to understand. I have friends who think this, I don't think that, but I, they're not really wrong, they're not right. Um, but they also say like things can change in an instant. Mm. 
And so I think it's a malleable Mm -hmm. mindset. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is not something I really understood before I went there at all. Because my mindset, as much as I like to think I'm enlightened, I travel and I see so much and I'm always changing my mind and stuff's always new and and I'm growing, which I am. I didn't think that about Israel. My mindset about Israel was was just like, oh, okay, there's fighting. And like, so going there and seeing how the people there live really helped me say, yeah, this is more complex than what I see on the news. Mm -hmm. I guess inherently I knew that. Right. You just didn't know the details of it. I just didn't know the details. And And so, could you? I mean, you don't don't necessarily, you don't get the nuance in the, in the news that, that unless you really dig, you don't get the nuances. And, and it's hard to dig because you don't know where to dig. And that's what made this trip and the trip you're going to go on so amazing because you can only learn certain things when you're there. Right. And you can only learn certain things by being with people who grew up there. Right. And until that happens, you're, there's a, there's a level that you can't get to. And I was able to up my level, if you want to call it that, of yeah. Israel to like the stratosphere <laughs> from like nothing. Yeah. And that's what I want out of travel. And so the fact that they did that so well and so quickly, I, I it was funny. I went into this, you know, when I met a few people the first couple of days, they said, you know, people had come to Israel on birthright, right? Some mm-hmm. Jewish people we met, oh, we, I came on birthright and I was just so enraptured by this country. Mm-hmm. I had to come back. We met a bunch of people who were, you know, Americans or from all over the globe who were then living in Israel because they felt they had to come back. And I actually thought in the very beginning, I didn't admit this to anyone. I just thought like, okay, you guys are not, not brainwashed. I'm like, okay, well, I don't see what the big deal is. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay, Israel seems okay. It's kind of cool. But what is so enchanting about this? Like we were in the desert. I'm like, this right. is cool, whatever. And, you know, that was a couple days in. And not that I'm ready to pack up and move to Israel right now, but I get it after being there 10 mm-hmm. days. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. Yeah. It might be, and this, I guess, is a pretty bold statement, but I, I, I think I can say this sincerely. It might be the most fascinating place I've ever been in my life. That's incredible. That's incredible. I cannot wait to go. You're it, definitely hyping me up. And I understand, I mean, I, I, like we, what we talked about at the beginning, the layers and the layers, and, and everybody is aware and everybody has something to say about Israel. The presidents, the presidential candidates all have to have a stance. The um, world leaders all have to have a stance. Israel and the surrounding countries are on everyone's radar, and they have been for almost the length of recorded history. Yeah, since Well, and yeah, it, since 1948, they certainly have since Israel right. became Absolutely. A, a nation. But in terms, of, in terms of like the Jewish people— and the the um, the region. I mean, it you know between you know crusades and pilgrimages and um, and uh, the 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 Jewish people leaving Israel and then returning and leaving and returning. It's not. It's been a part of everyone's understanding of the world and world history, pretty much all along. Well, because because it's so intertwined. Mm-hmm. Because there's so much history mm-hmm. and that area as a whole, is a cradle of civilization, so you have a lot of years to go back to, right? Right, right. Um, but also because the religion, is, because it's such the, the birthplace or the home or you know of three of the world's major religions, there is no way that you cannot know about it, right? right. Like, you just have to know about it. Right. Everyone knows about it, which means everyone probably has an opinion, even if it's a totally misguided one or uninformed one like me or, or kind of a base level one. Mm-hmm. 
And that's why I was just, I again, I can understand now why everyone's saying to me, I had to come and live here after being here because I feel that way. I feel like I want to understand more and to understand more, I have to be there and surround mm-hmm. myself with it. Mm-hmm. And I want to live a lot of places. As Heather mentions on almost every podcast she's on, I look at real estate everywhere. I want yeah. to move everywhere. But that this feels this is different in that I, I want to move to a lot of places like Thailand because it's cheap, awesome, fun, easy, yeah. beautiful. Delicious. Uh Berlin because it's a fascinating city to be. Cape Town, you know, same thing. This just and and there's a lot to learn in all those other places too, and a lot of culture to dig into. But this feels a little different because it is just so ever changing mm-hmm. and so ripe that I'm like, man, I can feel why people want to be here because every day, like on this trip, every single day, I was learning, like I, I you know, I was filling up my capacity of knowledge t- to like a hundred, yeah, and then I would go to sleep and I'd wake up. And I learned stuff completely new, and I'd fill up my capacity to 100 again. Yeah. And you can get that in other countries. You certainly can. But I haven't felt that mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. strongly as I have in Israel. And again, you weren't some, leveling up there. You were leveling up in Israel much quicker. Just You're like over now a level and over 75 and palette. over and over. And some of that comes from the fact that I was, I was very blessed to be on an awesome, awesome trip and get to be around awesome people. Whereas, as I said, a lot of other times we do independent travel and it's a different feeling and a different leveling. Yeah. Um, but I do think that the country itself plays a lot into it because yeah. you just have so much going on right. every and, single and, and day. Speaking of so much going on, you know, a lot of it is, is um, simple interactions. I like the fact that you highlighted the simple interaction of an Arab woman who is working with Israelis to run businesses and that she is uh, also a Christian and also a pa- of Palestinian heritage. Uh, I believe that's what you said, right? Yeah, she was Arab, wrong. Christian, Israeli, Palestinian. Yeah, so I think that that's awesome. That's, that in itself is a story. Um, and and so that's that's one aspect of humor and human interaction. So you have that that's complicated, but then you do have the violence, Right. And I don't want to end this on that, so we'll probably come back and summarize. But I think you should probably just tell your little story about uh, – not a little story, very fascinating story about your your um, trip down toward Jaffa. Yeah, so I, that's one of the questions that um, I got uh, – well – before I went, everyone said, are, are you nervous or do you feel safe? And I said, yes, completely. And, you know, some some of that is from being a seasoned traveler and, and not worrying too much. We've been in a lot of situations where things have gone fine. And, you know, you, you just build up your, mm-hmm. I don't want to say tolerance, but you, you, you realize that most of the time things are going to be okay. Yeah, we, so, you, you, were, you were in Japan for the, for the Fukushima, um, the earthquake, and then yeah, the we were Fukushima. at the Boston Marathon bombing. We missed the uh, Kunming mass stabbing by a day by a day hours. yeah i mean we've been in some situations like that and um but i i but that is not to say that's the reason i think i felt oh, no. safe because i was going with a group of people that i uh, that i trusted mm-hmm. and i also knew that israel to me at least and this was again not knowing that much seemed safer than what the media said because right. anyone i talked to who had been or was more informed than me was like it, it it's not just this violence like you hear that because that's what's going to make the news Absolutely. of course and and uh one of the guys it was either near a guy i can't remember which one we were talking about it and they said you know there's a reason that um 
Tel Aviv and Israel as a whole has more journalists in it than any other like per capita country in the world because they want to stay here. They love it. And so they they have to report stuff. And so, the, you know, it's, it's constantly oh, in the wow. news for some of that reason as well. And there, there's some truth to that, right? Like people come, they want to stay. You have to write about stuff, you know? And so you, you're kind of, not to say news stories don't happen there. Of course they do. But it's also kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's yeah, perpetuating yeah. itself. It's okay. like, I'm a journalist. I want to be in Israel. Okay, well, there is stuff I can write about. And what is the news going to put on while well, they're going to put on sensational type stuff? And these are international journalists, not just... Well, yeah, yeah. But also, you know, home Right, road. right. So I am... Um, okay, I felt safe going. I felt safe the entire time. There was not a moment that I mm-hmm. did not feel safe mm-hmm. at all. Um... Again, we were with a tour group, so I think that helped. Uh, one interesting feeling was when we were at the top of the Golan Heights, and they were pointing to the fence, and I, I like could kind of see it. I thought it was way further than the distance. Right. And they're like, no, no, that's the border right there. Do you see that fence? And I'm like, look, and I'm like, wait, way out there. And I'm like, no, 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 closer. I'm looking, 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 and like my gaze comes in and in, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. oh, okay, it's, it's like right down that hill kind of. And I'm like, okay, well, what's on the other side of the fence? Like, I was totally baffled as what right. we were looking at. right. And he was like, "Oh well, that's that's a Syrian village. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but it's 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 desolate now. Like, you know, it doesn't really have residents." I'm like, "Okay, so it's like abandoned." He's like, "Well, no, Al Qaeda's taken it over." And I'm like, "Wait, what?" He's like, "Yeah, Al Qaeda like operatives are in there." I'm like, "You mean like the thing that, I'm looking down right. the hill at?" He's that's like, "Yeah, right there." So that was a weird feeling, not a safety thing. Um, but a, a holy crap, I didn't know we were getting this close. Right. And then we went right up to the fence. So, um, but again, <laughs> you know, with tour, like they said, it's safe, everything like that. Mm-hmm. And, and to be fair now with the Syrian conflict and the infighting and the civil war there, the, uh, the Israeli guide was telling us, it's like, it's never been safer here on the border for us. And that can change at any o- moment. Occupied. Well, because they're they're fighting each other, right? And, and they're not turning to like every, all these groups are fighting each yeah, other yeah. there. So, and again, that can change at any moment, and sure. they all know that. And that's what he said. Like, that's not like we're sitting on our laurels here, right? Right. Um, but back to the story you asked about the long convoluted way there. I felt totally safe. Last day there, I was leaving at midnight, and um, the tour was over. Uh, we've been to the Dead Sea the day, day before, so I had all day in Tel Aviv. Yeah. So I, I met with the two guys, Nir and Guy, the the two co-founders, to interview them. The, the podcast that that's out now, we recorded that around like from like three to five p.m. Before that, I'd gone to the beach in Tel Aviv. It was great, awesome. Uh, I was like, all right, I got a couple hours before I gotta get in the taxi and catch my plane. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go to Cameo Market, which is uh, the food market. Yeah. And uh, pick up some stuff. So I got to the market right around six, and I know that it's because famous, is is an old, is it's a fairly it's, famous old old. City. Yeah, I mean, well, old. this is like, uh, yeah, it's a very famous food spice mm-hmm. bazaar mm-hmm. market in in Tel Aviv, the okay. uh, Cameo Market. Um, and uh, I, so I was walking, and I knew I got there at six because stuff was closing, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh man, they're closing at six. I guess it's kind of getting dusk, but I thought they'd be open a little later. So I stopped and got some bath salts, uh, sea salt, mud scrub, stuff like that mm-hmm. for Heather and, and some gifts. Uh, went, got some baklava. You got bath salts, like the kinds of turn people into zombies? Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, um, got some baklava, and uh, you know, it was just meandering around the market, and it was like 6.15, and everyone was closing. And my main goal was then to go down to, the, there's a flea market in Jaffa. So Jaffa is at the very southern tip of Tel Aviv. It's the mm-hmm. old city. Mm-hmm. It was there before Tel Aviv, and they say, they always say Tel Aviv swallowed Jaffa. Okay. So like Tel Aviv went up north, and I guess the whole thing is considered Tel Aviv, but Jaffa is the old uh, city part of it. I think Jaffa is actually one of the cities in 
Assassin's Creed 1. Okay. For all you Just gamers out there. Um, yeah, speaking of Assassin's Creed. Um, oh, so then I was like, okay, I'm going to walk down to the flea market because A, there was a really cool chair, leather chair there that I wanted to somehow ship of home course, for my office. That the guy wanted like 800 bucks where I was going to try to get him down like 200 bucks. Yes. And I also wanted to buy some stuff for Heather. Okay, if you're listening, Heather. It's also <laughs> planning on going to buy some stuff for you. So it was 6.15. I'm like, okay, it's about 15-minute walk down there. And that'll. it was like, you know, I was going southeast or southwest. And that would take me to Jaffa. Uh, there's a clock tower there. That was how I would get my bearings. Mm-hmm. And that's the start of the flea market. And then I was just going to walk right up the beach all the way back up to our hotel because our hotel was on the beach. I was making like a triangle, right? Mm-hmm. So I said 6.15. Okay. Uh, it's about a 15-minute walk down there. Um, but, you know, they're closing everything here in Cameo Market. So are they going to be closing the flea market too? I mean, it's like open air kind of stands. Like right. they're probably not going to be open after dark. Right. Um, and I also thought my bags were stored at the hotel of a girl who had been on the trip because I was leaving that night, so I didn't have a hotel. And I thought, oh, man, what if she like leaves a hotel or something and my bags are there and then I can't get in and this and that. So I said, all right, I better just walk back to the hotel to, to get my bags. I don't have to try to bargain for this chair. How am I going to mm-hmm. ship it home anyway? Which I kind of regret now because I want that chair. But sure. I go back. Uh, we, we go out <laughs> to dinner. It's like 7. You know, I get back at like 6.37. We go out to dinner, 7 um, to like you know 9. I get in a, a taxi at like, or 8.45, I get in a taxi to take me to the train station to then go to the airport. And uh, I get and, and the taxi driver's like, hey, uh, did you hear what happened today? And I said, no, 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 I didn't. He's like, okay, better that you didn't know. I'm like, okay, that's, that's fine. Great. Yeah, he says that. And this time I actually didn't really Yeah, you were like, care. all right. I'm like, oh, you know, usually I'd be like, whoa, what's he uh, about? Yeah. For whatever reason, I remember thinking like, okay. And I said, okay, all right. And then, of course, like he told me. Man, you <laughs> really like, were easy better going. That, better that you don't know. Probably waiting for all me right. to be like, tell me, tell him. And I said, okay. And then he goes, well, did you hear about the stabbing in Jaffa? And I was like, you know, a lot of times I would misunderstand words that they were saying. So I'm like, Jaffa, like Jaffa, like Jaffa right behind us. If we drove th- five minutes, we're in Jaffa, like right. the old city. He said, yeah. And I said, no. And he goes, do you know where the clock tower is? I said, yeah, I took money out there the night, the day before. It's, I, it's right where the flea market starts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he goes, yeah, um, the, uh, there was a stabbing down there and an American tourist died. And I was like, what? And he said, yeah, an American tourist died and, uh, and 10 people were wounded. And I thought, okay, well, that's weird. Because before we went on this trip, you had given me this statistic. We still don't know if it's completely true, but I, I know. We I think, think it gonna, is. We're going to continue it. That it's like the, no, no American tourists had died in Israel. Something uh, like that. I mean, right. typically violence doesn't include tourists. And, and didn't exactly. used to be in Tel Aviv or Jerusalem mostly. It was like... You know, in certain areas. Right. So I said, okay, uh, when, did, when did that happen? Do you know? And he was like, yeah, 640. And I was like, oh, okay. And, yeah. you know, I would have been, had I gone to the flea market, I would have been there at 635. I probably would have got there and I would have been right there. Um, I hadn't. Uh, it, 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 you know, it was weird. It, it gave me a little bit of pause, but um, I also then... For some reason, and I mean, it's a horrible tragedy. Like, mm-hmm. do not get me wrong. I cannot believe what that family has to go through, and I feel awful. I mean, part of me, honestly, I, I don't know if this is like a guilty thing, but I think like, well, what if I was there and was able to prevent it? Now, right? okay, what what would I have done? I'm not a superhero. Right. I'm not saying that, but right. maybe, you know, it's like the butterfly It's hard not effect. to think that when you were basically 15 minutes 
separating you from the tragedy. Right, and and I almost think like, what if I was there, and and for some reason, because I was there, something you else saw happened, it or you something do, else happened. You never know the circumstances. Probably not. So I feel very terrible about that. But I so that happened, and um, yeah, unfortunately, it was a twenty-eight-year-old American tourist who. Now, had been gone to West Point. I mean, obviously, well more, mm-hmm. much better. He had served. Had he first. served? He'd yeah, served and and so it's an awful story. And to He's this, veteran, yeah. I think only, only he died. But um, I do think you know, there's ten people injured and in critical condition. And then the guy ran up the beach, and then they eventually killed him. Um, and another American hit him over the head with a guitar. Yes, that was part of the story. So I hope that's um, true because that's amazing. I, I think it is. Uh, it was reported by the news, so I, yeah, I assume yeah, it was. Of course. Um, but you know, then we were eating on the beach. Now we were further up than where he had been. But it, it was very weird to think that the little area. I mean, we're talking about a little 15 minute walking area radius that I was in that whole time. Mm-hmm. And it happened, and I had no idea, and had right. been oblivious. Um, my fear then was that um, you know I was getting on a train. I imagined or assumed it would be a one-off thing because that it does typically how the stabbings go in Israel. Right. Thankfully, that it's it's like a one crazy person doing it type mm-hmm. thing, and that mm-hmm. seems to be what this was as well. Um, but I was worried, you know, the train and then catching a plane. Like, is stuff going to be extra security and this and that? And uh, one of the crazy parts about it was that. I mean, maybe people were talking about it in Hebrew and I didn't hear it, but, you know, it didn't, nothing really changed. I got yeah. on the train, it was fine, train was on time, got to airport, same security, everything, was in the lounge, fine, and then got on my plane. And um, I think that does, I think that's, I, I don't know how I feel about that, but it's interesting, I guess, is the only word I can say, is that if something like that had happened, obviously, in, in a city that we had been in in the States, I mean, maybe there would have been some repercussions. Maybe. But maybe not. I mean, yeah. a, you could fly out of JFK and then every, you know, every day people I mean, stuff happening in New York and Philly in New and York. stuff. People, people are murdered and, 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 and killed uh, in New York City and Philadelphia every day. Right, and that doesn't stop daily life. So I do think, to, to, to me, it hit a little closer to home. Not that I feel, would feel unsafe going back there either, um, but it hit a little closer to home because of the fact that I could have been there and it was an American tourist. I mean, violence happens in every city around, around the world. Although I feel insecure about my statement that it happens every day. I don't know if there's a murder every day. Well, Pretty frequently. some sort of violence happens every day, right? Yes. And so I do think that in Israel it gets a little blown up um, for the fact that because there is a conflict there. It is so there, small. And, and it is conflict small. is, uh, is well-known. Right. And, and at any time, something like that could possibly trigger something bigger where in have- the States that's probably not going to happen. And you do have the kind of rhetoric that you hear. Um, I mean, obviously there is a, not to get too far into, into it, but there's obviously a lot of um, hyperbolic rhetoric that goes on between countries in the Middle East and um, a lot of angry, angry political speech. And that draws our attention towards it because, um, because people have acted, um, have acted in mass to defeat the Jews in the past. Right. Uh, you know. Right. And so, and so all that is to say that um, that was my experience. I, I still feel safe in Israel. I would urge you to take cautions as you would anywhere else. Right. Be aware um, as you would anywhere. But I, I, even with that happening, I would feel safe going back. Yeah. Um, I felt safe the entire time. And um, yeah, unfortunately, things like this do happen and can happen anywhere, as mm-hmm. we mentioned. Mm-hmm. Like I was at the Boston Marathon when the mm-hmm. bombing happened. So mm-hmm. it can happen anywhere. Um, but yeah, yeah, my experience in Israel um, as a whole just blew me away. I mean, I could 
continue to talk about like the cool little things we did that I, that I'm thinking of as we talk about like just the you know going to the, this the the wall the, on the Gaza Strip where this lady had a peace thing um, a mosaic that we put tiles on like there was all these little things that kept happening not little but we we packed a lot into nine days yeah um I would urge anyone who's ever had a inkling to go or or even if you maybe you didn't like like me but you thought but if given the opportunity or if you're hearing this you're like well, i didn't think about it before but now i am I, it it was um it blew away my expectations in every way i think as i said it was the most fascinating place i've ever been because of the depth of everything that's going on mm-hmm. geographically emotionally you know, current events wise, historically, biblically, mm-hmm. you know, just put on whatever L Y yep, yep. word you want right. onto this. Mm-hmm. Um, culturally, it it's fascinating. And um I I want to go back. I want to learn more. I want to understand more. And I think if you have an opportunity to go and you do want to go and see it as a local um, I urge you to at least check out Puzzle Israel. Again, you know, you get on a phone call or send an email, see what type of options they have, see if it fits the budget. You know, they they, they do all groups of all sizes. Um, yeah. And obviously, the more people that come with you, the, the cheaper it gets per person sure. naturally. Um, and that's one of the things they mentioned in their podcast. But even just reaching out to them, what's so awesome about this this company and these guys that started it, Nearing Guy, is that they're willing to help anyone. It's not like, oh, if you don't come with Puzzle Israel, we're not going to tell you any of our secrets. Yeah. It's like, no, they want us to spread the word of Israel and seeing Israel, the real Israel, and and the wide lens of Israel right. and Israel as a local. And so I would urge you just to check out what they do um, and even contact them if you're interested in all and see if they can do something for your group yeah. um, because they also come to the States and do some really cool stuff. That's something that I didn't mention before, but they come to the States and do some really cool stuff where they they prepare dinners here and talk about Israel. So if you can't even get over there for whatever reason, you know you can bring them here and have them cook for you and do group things and, and get a group together, whether it be a church group or a synagogue or a a friend group. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be anything religious right. at all. Right. They started it by going to colleges wow. and, and doing stuff. So but they're open to all of it. Really fascinating people just wanting to 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 tell about Israel from their perspective, yeah. which is people who grew up in Israel. And um, yeah, I, I love those guys. They come to the U.S. quite a bit. Um, I, I would urge you to reach out to them. And uh, and if you do end up booking with them, what's really cool is, um, you know, I got their permission to do this. They said like, if, listen, we want you to tell your listeners, because we, if they're anything like you, which I, I know a lot of people listening are, because that's why they resonate with this podcast. They said, we, we loved having you here. We loved the, the, not the intensity, but the, the amount that you wanted to know. And, mm-hmm. and they're very much like the me. curiosity, the curiosity. It's a great way of putting it. Um, they said, have people reach out. And, um, if you mentioned that you, that you heard about them through extra pack of peanuts and, and Travis, uh, they, they'll give a discount and also like, Basically, they'll hook you up. They yeah. say like, "We'll give a discount, and we'll give them the VIP experience." Nice. And uh, when well, these guys you, say it, it's true. If I run into them when I'm in Israel, I will definitely drop the epop bomb on them. And uh, <laughs> that is so tasteless when we're talking about Israel. But um, <laughs> but it, yeah, I will definitely be be name dropping Travis Sherry. And actually, if I get the bug when I'm over there, I probably will want to see if I can return. And if I do, it will be very likely through Puzzle. Israel. Yeah, because exactly. There it's it's a group tour done the exact way I would want a group tour done. Yeah. And um that's what's so awesome about it is 
yeah, that's a country that would be hard to be on your own. Not not hard, but you 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 might not understand it. Stuff. Like we we've just talked mm-hmm. about it. And uh, I'm super excited for you to go and to hear about your experience. Yeah, maybe you'll interview me when I get back if I have enough interesting things to say. Yeah, I mean, I would love to do a comparison contrast and and just what did you learn? Because that's what's so neat is that I came home as we were going to record this the day I came home. We put it off for five days because we didn't have the time to schedule. But I was just brimming. I hope it's still fresh. Oh, I I mean, I think it came out fresh. I was just brimming with information and knowledge and wanting to share like, wow, I was blown away. And I love travel and I'm blown away by a lot of places. Yeah. But it 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 wowed me in a way that I was not expecting to be wowed in. And, and that's right. hard to say about every it's not true about everyone. It's hard to say about most places. Right. Um, but it was a unique, magical experience. And I think uh yeah, part of its puzzle, Israel, the team I went with, and another part is the country itself and the depth that the country has. So um Israel. Yeah. Gotta go if you're interested. And Thanks if you've been, I hope this, this uh I hope this helped bring you back, right? Take yes. you back and immerse you in yeah, it. And maybe maybe brought it back memories. people to uh maybe get the get the uh, yearning to return again. Yeah. So there you have it, guys. We will link everything up in the show notes that we talked about. Um also I am gonna try to get you an itinerary that I went on so you can peruse that, see it, pick and choose. If you're not gonna go with a tour, you're gonna go independently and, and all you pick and choose the the things that we did so you get some background and information there to help you plan your own trip. Mm-hmm. And again, highly recommend contacting the guys at Puzzle Israel, puzzleisrael.com, uh near and guy. Tell them Trav uh, from Extra Pack of Peanuts sent you and they'll at least give you every option that they have and put you on the right path. Um, even if you are going to end up going as an independent traveler on a different mm-hmm. group or anything mm-hmm. like that. They're totally transparent and totally awesome people. So PuzzleIsrael.com. Um, yeah, and everything we have that we'll link up here, extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods. You can get the show notes. You know that. Bunch of other episodes. I, I'd recommend if you liked this I- episode about Israel, listen to the interview that I did with Nir and Guy, the co-founders of Puzzle Israel, because you get to hear it from their perspective and um, why they started it and everything that that they have done and their experiences because they've got some really cool experiences and some insight that I didn't mention here, as well as some cool travel stories because okay. uh, Israelis travel. Like after yes. the military, they get out and they go. Yeah, they and, seem uh, hardcore. Yeah, they ride horses through Mongolia and crazy oh, stuff yeah, whatever, like that. Man. So um, check, day. check that out. Check that podcast out that I did with them. I think that's episode 220. And uh, don't forget, guys, if you're looking and you are going to be traveling and you want a piece of travel gear that I highly recommend, um, check out tortugabackpacks.com. That's the backpack that I used when I was in Israel. Everyone was surprised that uh, for 10 days, we went from like the Negev in the desert up to the highlands, all types of climates and and things like that that I was able to pack in just to carry on. But with my trusty Tortuga, I was able to do that. Um, So enter the promo code EPOP, E-P-O-P, all capital letters, that will get you 10% off your entire order. And that is a wrap on what might be our longest podcast ever. Really? Quite possibly. I told you at the beginning I could talk for a long time. Yes. I'm glad that you let me uh, go off and that you also directed the conversation. Oh, I tried. I, 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 um, it's just a, it's a fascinating topic. It was hard to, uh, to draw it in. I hope we... Um, I hope we did it justice. I think we did. Um, and uh, as much justice as we can do through a podcast, now it's time for you guys to get over there and see it for yourself. I think I might just do that. You will be doing that. Probably by the time this podcast comes out, you might even be on a flight over there. So, uh, Napkins, I want to say thank you for hopping on and and hosting this episode of the Extra Pack of Peanuts podcast. Guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for the support, as always. 
and for making us the number one rated travel podcast on iTunes. We appreciate that. We say that proudly. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. And until next time, happy happy free free travels. travels.